Hello, and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello, thank you so much for joining me today. I have some fantastic news to share. And if you're on my email list, you actually already heard this news, but we reached over 10,000 downloads of the Dyslexia Devoted podcast. This means so much to me, and I'm so happy you guys keep tuning in every week to learn more and more about dyslexia. I absolutely love that I've been able to help spread the word about dyslexia, and you can spread the word too. It would mean the world to me if you could share this podcast with somebody that you know so that we can keep spreading the knowledge about how to help those with dyslexia be extra successful in life, because we already know they're going to be a great success with or without us, but let's give them a little nudge in the right direction. In the spirit of success, I would like to make this week's episode another success stories episode. Welcome to episode 65 of Dyslexia Devoted, and this one is all about summer success stories. I've gotten so much positive feedback from hearing people who've listened to the success story episodes that we've done and say that it has come to them in a time where they really needed some hope, that it really will get better. And I love spreading any sort of joy and hope that I can to help you guys on your dyslexia journeys. So this is another one of those completely unscripted, me talking off the top of my head kind of episodes, because that's what success stories kind of are. It's not a script. It is something that comes about sometimes when you're not always expecting it. This summer, I have helped over 30 kids with dyslexia and learning differences during the Parnello Education Summer Program. That is the most students I have ever helped in one summer, and I'm so excited to see how much progress these kids have made. I'm also very excited to not work on Fridays anymore. For those of you who don't know me, I usually work four 10-hour days instead of doing five days a week because the number of times people cancel Friday night when all the kids are exhausted is pretty high anyway. This summer, for August, I went ahead and worked Fridays anyway because there were so many kids who needed support that I know I absolutely cannot take on more during the school year. So it was a way for me to give kids as much support as I could before they went back to school. And so I worked longer weeks, so I'm very tired. But I get to go back to a relatively normal schedule this week, hip hip hooray. And I also get to share with you all of the successes that we had this summer. I was thinking of one as I was walking in the door today to come into my office And it was a boy whose family didn't know quite what their son needed. They just knew he was struggling with reading. And they thought he didn't know how to read very well and really needed help with learning how to read. That was pretty much as much information as I was given. And so that's usually what I do. I take kids when people don't quite know what else to do and then help them overcome their challenges by narrowing down where is the breakdown. For this particular child, the parents thought he was having trouble with learning how to read. And then the more and more I worked with him over the summer, I realized it wasn't that he couldn't read. It was he didn't know what to do while reading. Now, a lot of times we think of reading struggles as trying to figure out how to sound out the words or not know what they mean. But for this one, I finally got it out of him, which for a sixth grade boy to finally tell you exactly what the problem is, is pretty miraculous in and of itself some days. He said, nobody taught me how to really read and how to enjoy reading. No one taught me what I'm supposed to do while I read a book. How observant is that? It's amazing because when we can break down where's the problem, then we can find some solutions. So this summer, we started off with a book that he chose 
and he was skipping a bunch of words. And if he didn't know what a word meant, he just literally just didn't read it and moved on to the next one and rushed to the bottom of the page and was reading very, very quickly because, you know, kids in school are taught you're supposed to read fast. And that makes you a good reader. If you're reading faster, you're a better reader. But guess what? If you don't know what's happening, reading faster does you no good. So this kid's goal was just to read every page as fast as he could. And he had no idea what was happening by the end of it. His problems in school were after he would read, he wouldn't remember what he read about. So all summer long, we worked on what do good readers do when they read. And here are some of the things we did. We talked about how if you misread something, you go back and reread the whole sentence so you actually know what the sentence is talking about. If you're spending a lot of time on one word, you probably don't remember the 10 words that came before it in that same sentence. We talked about when you haven't read a book in a week, going back and reading half of a page just to remind yourself what was happening when I stopped reading this book. Oh, yes. And then you can add on to that. We talked about how even as a grown-up, when I read all the words correctly but something doesn't sound right, I go back and I reread it and phrase it differently. Where even if you read all the words right, if you've said them in a funny way of phrasing that doesn't match the way the author meant for you to read them, sometimes it feels like it makes no sense. And then we also talked about the importance of not reading like a robot. Because when you read like this, then you have no idea what it says. Kind of like if somebody was talking to you like that, you would probably tune out. So trying to remember that we read the way that we talk that sounds like an exciting story. Or if you were listening to your friend and then they always talk like this all of the time, you would probably not listen to them anymore. And showing them what happens when you use your voice to show excitement and you slow down when something gets sad and how you can utilize all of these strategies to make the story make sense. Sometimes reading the words isn't enough to make the story make sense. My favorite example of this is when I was reading The Help. It's a novel for adults. And I just remember sitting there reading the whole first four or five pages and saying, this makes no sense at all. How is this such a popular book? I don't get it. And then I realized it's a book set in the South. And then I had to imagine my mother's voice in her Southern twang. And then it suddenly made perfect sense. I had to go back and reread the whole first chapter using a Southern twang. And it made perfect sense from there. I like to use that example for the kids to see that even as adults, sometimes we have to go back and change things. This is what good readers do. They don't read perfectly on the first try. They fix it when it doesn't go perfectly. All right, time for another success story. I had a cutie patootie little kindergartner. Actually, that's a lie. I've had a couple cutie patootie little kindergartners this summer, one of which didn't even know all of her letter sounds. And I suspect it's because she had a hard time paying attention to what was happening in class because she's a smart cookie. She went from not even knowing all the letter sounds to consistently and easily reading three-letter words without trying, all within one summer when we didn't even see each other every single week because vacations are important, kids need breaks. And it was so exciting to see that even with just the littlest kids, we can make the fastest progress when they're young. And that's something I want to point out. Getting even just a summer boost can really be helpful in those lower grades. It is a lot easier to help kids before they fall too far behind. Once they are years behind grade level, once they are really stressed out about school and they've already learned to hate reading, it's a lot harder to make progress. But when you have those young, excited kids who just love learning and love giggling all the time and making goofy voices when they read their books, that is the best time to help them because they're motivated and they feel good and it's a great way to boost them before they go back to school so they feel more confident. Speaking of which, I had another little boy who's actually a sibling of a kiddo I've already been working with 
that I started seeing this summer because the poor little guy was already hating reading by the end of first grade. How sad is that for a kid to think that they are a bad reader by the end of first grade? It is so important that we catch that as soon as possible because it can really hit their self-esteem. This little kiddo, I could see why he was struggling so much. He needed everything explicitly shown to him. How do we sound this out? And normalizing failure. I think that is one of the biggest things I've tried to do with so many of my students this year, especially those ones who I think might struggle a little longer than most. And I was able to help him see that when we're starting something new, we're going to make mistakes, right? That's just part of learning. If you made no mistakes on our first day of trying something new, that means I probably am showing you something you already know how to do. And we've done a lot of work on it's okay to make mistakes when we learn something new. And I've done it with a lot of the little guys. We want to make sure that, all right, so what's probably going to happen today if it's the first day if we're going to do it? We're going to make a few mistakes. Okay. Is that okay? Yes. And helping the kids see that it's okay to make mistakes and it's going to happen, but it does not make them a failure. It's just part of learning. We get better and better and better. Each day, I helped the kids make a goal for themselves of what is your goal for today? Because I want them to get just one word better today than last time I saw them. It is not about suddenly winning the marathon. It's about making it one little mile at a time. Not that I could ever run a marathon. I did a couple 10Ks and that was a disaster. But, you know, I tried my best. I finished. We want the kids to see one little tiny bit of progress at a time. So if they made five mistakes yesterday, our goal is only four mistakes today. You got, you know, 14 right yesterday. Let's make 15 right today. Helping them make a goal for themselves just to do a little better than they did last time. Because gigantic achievements are not actually usually done in one gigantic leap. It's usually incremental growth that builds upon one another. That was one of the biggest takeaways that I was able to give some of these kids this summer, is seeing that tiny progress is still progress. You did a lot better. And a lot of times the kids will try to compare themselves. What about the other kindergarten? Am I doing better than them? And I have to teach each of them, I'm not comparing you to each other. You each have different things you need to work on. For you, this is harder. For them, that's harder. It's not about who is better than who. It's about, are you better than you were yesterday? And that's enough. And let's end with one more funny success story that brings me such joy. I have one little boy who calls me Miss Party Marshmallow to the point that I'm pretty sure he doesn't remember my name is Miss Parnello. Several years ago when I started working with him just for summers, he decided Miss Parnello was, was too boring and did not match my personality. So I became Miss Party Marshmallow and have forever since been that. Even his parents giggle that sometimes they forget what my real name is because they just refer to me as Miss Party Marshmallow so much in their own house. Anyway, this adorable friend is a fifth grader and has been doing so well every summer and then had summer homework. And this kiddo was not done with his summer homework and really wanted to finish it with me. And he went, what? There's only two more Party Marshmallows left? Meaning we only had two more sessions. And he was very upset about this. And so he begged for some extra tutoring time this summer. I think that is my biggest pride and joy is that kids are so happy to come every summer and that they are downright sad when it's their last summer session. And I would say that is by far my biggest success is that kids who are struggling with learning love coming here and don't want to leave. And that is the best gift ever. All right. I have another kid walking in the door in approximately two minutes. So I'm ending this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope you share this podcast with some friends. I have a QR code that is easy to send out that I will put on my website so that you can go ahead and find it there. 
or on the social media for Facebook or Instagram. That way, if you want to send off the QR code to other friends so that they can download the Dyslexia Devoted podcast, that would be amazing. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn even more about dyslexia, check out parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses. See you next time.